Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Have you had a good week? Average? Who's had an average week? Yeah, tough one for me this week. We'll share more about that in a moment. But uh, a few months ago, we decided to buy a new bed. And, uh, you know, when you get old, that's where you spend your money, you know. And uh, it's a matter of mind over mattress. Anyway, who said that? Terrible. And uh, we got, you know, one of those real king-size beds that has two sides and you can remote control lift them. And so, yeah, yeah, a little little, little bit special there. And uh, anyway, this particular night, I get ready to go to bed and I get my remote control and I start pressing the button, nothing happens. Press it again, nothing happens. Brand new bed. I thought, what is wrong with this silly thing? The batteries are new. And then I looked up and Sharon was sitting up like this. (laughs) I pressed the wrong button. I pressed her remote control instead of mine and I didn't get the desired result. She was laughing but wasn't saying anything to see how long it would take for me to catch on. Because I'm looking down and then I look up and she's sitting right up and smiling. But you know in life, if you press the wrong buttons, you're not gonna get the right result. And we have a world right now that's pressing all the wrong buttons and wondering what's going on and many blame God. Really? We make decisions contrary to His plan and His purpose and His pattern and, why, and then wonder if God is such a loving God, why are we in such a mess? My prayer today is that what is said and what is heard has a match and that God will really, really speak to us. Not like the guy that went out for prayer one day and he said to the pastor, I want prayer. And the pastor said, what do you want prayer for? He said, I need prayer for my hearing. So the pastor puts his hands on his ears, starts commanding the spirit of deafness to leave him, praying for this guy to get his hearing back. And after a moment, he says, how do you feel now? I've prayed for you, how do you feel? He goes, no, no, my hearing's on Tuesday at three (laughs) o'clock. So uh, somehow the message got mixed up. Sad, bad jokes, aren't they? This is gonna go from funny to sad, but to be honest with you, yesterday was one of the hardest days of my life. Yesterday was six years to the day that our son got killed in the Adelaide Hills. A pastor in this church. I love him so deeply, but it's not until you lose someone you realise how special they really were to you. Often we used to concentrate on the things we saw differently, but now that he's gone, I recognise all the things we saw the same. And I had a terrible day. And while I was preparing this message, which I'll probably need two Sundays to cover because I don't think I can cover it all today, but I'm speaking next week as well, so I won't rush it through because it's a life message of mine. It's something that's not just a talk. It's not just a preach. It's a reach that I deeply care about, but it wasn't until last night after a day of mainly tears, hugging my family and crying with some of them, 
sitting with my dad last night who my mum passed last year and we both cried together over both our losses. I don't want you to feel sorry for me this morning. There's a reason I'm sharing this. I was preparing this message through those tears because it's something that's very, very real to me. So I pray we catch it, not just as a nice talk today, but it wasn't until I got into bed that I realised what I'm speaking on today had such an effect on my son's life. I'm speaking today on the value of the church and realised that my son died serving the church. Didn't hit me till I got into bed last night and go, wow, he died in the Adelaide Hills serving the youth group of this church. Church is never perfect, but it was born of God. And one thing I know about my son is he was committed through all the challenges that came to not bash the church, but to build the church. And to be honest, I'm a little bit offended by churchians who are constantly slamming the church. I'm a little over it. Why would you pick on something Jesus said He would build? An attack on the bride is an attack on the bridegroom. And the church is the bride of Christ and so many people today that I I talk to, not going to church anymore because they're offended by the church. And I just think, have you got a better solution? I also realise that when we come to Christ, we receive Him by faith and by grace and we are instantly made right before God. But then we go on a journey of salvation. We go on a journey of restoration and it amazes me that when some people are attacking other people in the church, they don't stop to think, well, maybe they're on a different part of the journey right now. And instead of attacking them, I should love them and understand what part of the journey they are at. And so I spend so much talk with people who bag the church or are afraid of the church and have a go at the church, but it's only because we don't know its founder or not walk with him. And when I thought about Chris, I was pretty affected because this message was also His. I've been in the church all my life. I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. People who claim to be Christians could be the greatest reason why people don't become Christians. And people who claim to be Christians could become the greatest reason why people become Christians. If we were to be arrested for being Christians today, would there be enough evidence to convict us? Because the Christians in the Bible didn't call themselves Christian. The non-Christians called them Christian. They are the Christ ones. We see their lives and we see they are Christ ones. See, if we are Christians without Christ, we're just Ian's. I've said that before. You take Christ out of Christian, you just end up with Ian. If there's any Ians here this morning, I'm not picking on you. God bless you. And so today I wanna speak, or at least start a conversation 
on the church because I've always believed in the church. I've always loved the church because Jesus birthed it. Why would you hate something Jesus said He would birth? That's saying, Jesus, you don't know what you're doing. You made a mistake. And right now, all over the world, amongst churchians, there is a conversation about deconstruction. We gotta deconstruct our lives. We don't wanna commit ourselves to church anymore, as if church was our idea. Now friends, when we do church our way, it really sucks a bit. And doing church our way is not my thing. But from when I encountered Christ at the age of 13 and many times after, I had a revelation of when the church is built the way it should be, it's the answer to a broken world. It's the only answer to the world. Our education system was birthed by the church. Our universities were birthed by the church. Our hospitals were birthed by the church. And today we go, flick you. Australia now, a secular nation, how are we doing? And so today I'm very burdened to get us back to the place of understanding the purpose and the power of the church. Not too many people who attack the church have better solutions. You know, there's lots of crooked doctors out there, but I don't see people say, I'm never going to the doctor again. You go to a hospital and you don't get treated. Well, I know that feeling. I've been picked up in my hospital room to go and have operations I wasn't due for. They weren't even meant for me. People coming in the room and go, you're ready for, I said, that's not my operation. Oh, sorry, sir, we're on the wrong floor. That was the doctors and the nurses. So do I turn around and go, that's it, you're never gonna see me put foot in a hospital again? You're never gonna see me go to a doctor again because there's a few crooked ones. Most of them we watch online. We write off the whole plan of God for a healthy world. We are studying the book of Proverbs right now as a church. So I decided to go with the flow and we're gonna go to Proverbs chapter 31. Hang in there with me. We're gonna start from verse 10 and it's a bit of a read. So don't get bored on me, listen. But I remember many years ago being on the tarmac in Johannesburg, about to take off from a missions trip to come home. In fact, when I landed home in Sydney from that trip, I went into the Qantas Club in Sydney and I had the uh, Sydney Morning Herald newspaper first thing in the morning saying 11-year-old children in Australia taking Prozac for depression. I've just been overseas to Africa where kids were smiling over getting a $2 Frisbee. Happy and smiling in Zimbabwe for the little that we gave them. And here with all our games and all our, anything a kid could ever want, kids are suffering more than ever with depression. So something is not working. But I'm on the tarmac and for some reason I was reading in my own personal study, the book of Proverbs. I get to chapter 31, the last chapter of the book of Proverbs and it talks about this amazing woman, a great wife, and as I'm sitting, I can see it now, 
this thought came into my head, no woman on the planet could ever be like that. I'm gonna set all your ladies free this morning. If you've been to a, a Sheila's, I mean a woman's conference, <laughs> talking about the Proverbs 31 woman, there's not a woman on the planet that can do all this. Set you free, ladies. You don't deserve to be put in this box. But as I'm on the plane, just sitting there waiting for takeoff, the thought came into my head, read the chapter and see it as the wife of God, the bride of Christ, the church. And as I saw it in that light, my whole inner self came alive and I came home to Australia and started to build the very things we're gonna talk about into the life of our church. And while we didn't achieve everything, by the time I handed the church over, millions of dollars a year were transforming our community. The Adelaide Children's Hospital uh, reception area completely renovated. 16 churches in Adelaide from all different abominations, I mean denominations. And, And they came together and I said to our guys, let's not put anybody's name on it. Let's just call it the church in Adelaide. Loving our city going into the Adelaide women's prison and transforming that whole women's prison where people could have their children come and visit them because we created this space. And out of going to this chapter amongst many others, I remember one time being in England, we had a campus and we still do have a campus in England. It was only a year old and now we were already up to five, 600 people turning up We've got a building in a place that is impossible to get a building in this business park in Bristol. That people told us you will never get it. We own that building today. We're in that building and I remember walking through the building. Nobody in the building, I'm just praying. Thanking God for this great birth of a church. And I turned to God and I said, God, what is it? Why has this happened so miraculously? And a voice inside my head said, it's because it's virgin birthed. You see, Jesus was born as a virgin. Therefore, Him coming to earth, the miracle started in heaven and partnered by earth. And let me tell you, when something is virgin birth, it means God gives birth to it. And then we partner with it. And the church is not the West's idea. The church is not man's idea. The God of the universe said, I will build my church. And let me tell you, the church has been attacked for hundreds of years. The Bible's been attacked for hundreds of years. It still lives today. There are Christians in China that are not worried about COVID. They go underground and still do church and are prepared to die for their faith today because the church of Jesus Christ will never be stopped it will live on forever, whether we show up or not. So Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant's ship, bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. It's not like that today. I wake up grumpy every morning, give her breakfast in bed, and then I go to work. Oh, who said that? Sorry, she's not here to defend herself, sorry. 
She goes to inspect a field and buys it with her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers twisting fibre. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household. For everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. Maybe one for our new bed. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed, are you getting tired? She's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. Excuse me. Stop that. No, stop that. These iPads, I'll go back to pen and paper soon. (laughs) Beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Now the book of Proverbs is not about a woman, it's about wisdom. When we study the book of Proverbs, and yet it always speaks of her, not him. It speaks of wisdom in the she. So I thought, well, maybe women are just wiser than men. I asked my wife, she said that was probably the right interpretation. (laughs) But I went and checked it out and the book of Proverbs, when it's translated into English from the original translation, in the Greek, the word wisdom in Greek is Sophia. Now, I didn't know that. It's Sophia, which is of the feminine form. Therefore, the translators retained all the references to wisdom in the feminine. And that's why wisdom is referred to in the she. But it is possibly true that women are wiser than men. I know my wife makes many wiser decisions than I do at times. But when we partner with God in the building of His church, His way, we, the bride of Christ, cannot be ignored. And I believe our best days are ahead of us and I'm not just saying that, trying to be positive. Jesus said He'll build His church. He didn't say, but if something like COVID comes, then I'll have to find something else to do. Didn't He think COVID was coming? This will also pass. It will also pass. Sadly, today, many are turning away from the church because of disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, disconnection and disinterest. It amazes me how many people that hardly go to church that call themselves Christians are really getting carried away about COVID being a sign of the last days. And they're really getting carried away trying to unpack the concealed and not obeying the revealed. If I'm not obeying the revealed, Excuse me, if I'm not obeying the revealed, I've got no right to search the concealed because I'm opening myself up to deception. 
And so people are talking about, my dad was watching yesterday something in Spanish because he knows Spanish fluently, though he's Italian, watching uh, something on YouTube yesterday, someone in South America saying, this is the way the Antichrist can get to us. And it's amazing when people talk about this being the last days, and they are, they miss out some other signs of the last days. For example, in Matthew 24, 10 to 13, it says, And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Deconstruction. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. I've not always loved church. I found it boring at times. I've been going all my life. Nine months before I was born, I was there. I've always been in church. But you know, one of the greatest keys is continuance. If God says do it, just do it. God says, don't forsake the coming together of one another. You've all been given amazing gifts. You need to be using those gifts to help one another. You start going through the Bible. I remember a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, got a Bible one day in front of the church. It was Steve Penny, if you know him, and started ripping pages out of the Bible and throwing them on the floor. And people got offended that he played around with the Word of God and ripped up the pages. But then he stopped and said, but we rip it up every day with our attitudes. We rip up the Bible every day with our disobedience. We rip up the Bible every day with all the things we don't like and we just leave them out. But you're offended that I'm tearing a page. And it makes you see the difference between religion and a true relationship with God. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. See, we're saved once. We're saved all the time. We will be saved. We live in a state of consistency. You see, if we don't have a revelation of the church, we will have a reaction to the church. If we don't have a revelation of it, we will live in a reaction to it. If I was to tell you the stories after 40 years of loving God's church, of people that even today are turning up on my doorstep who walked away 30 years ago and their kids said, stuff you. And now they've got kids that don't believe in God at all because the parents got hurt by the church. The Bible says we will be hurt, we're human. How dare we judge God's pattern for the church by an imperfect people going on a journey to partner with God in building it. It's not perfection, but it is direction. See, criticism in churchians of the church is often love turned cold. They're not actually angry at the church, they're angry at God. But when the church is built God's way, we all remember Nathan Finocchio last Sunday here. I was gonna actually get a chair and sit on it. I was gonna wear my grandmother's slippers. I was gonna get up here. I was gonna get a long blonde wig and I was gonna stand up here and go, my wife likes Vegemite on toast, but I like Italian sausage 
and eggs done in the red sauce. I was going to go down that track and do part two, but I, I just didn't think it would go down real well. For those of you that weren't here, I'm sorry. Get the video or the video. <laughs> Watch last week's. Deconstruction without construction leads to destruction. You don't knock down an old house and then go and live on the empty block. A lot of people are deconstructing their faith right now and they've ended up on an empty block. They don't know what to construct. Now, before I go any further, for those of you watching today and, uh, and those that can't be here because of illness, I do believe there is deconstruction. God is actually asking us to get rid of all the stuff that doesn't work. When Pastor Tony and Pastor Kath come back from a short break, we're gonna sit down and say, what are the things we need to change? To actually deconstruct constructively is something we are meant to be doing. But you can't deconstruct and destroy what Jesus said He would build. He's not obliged to build our church, but He will build His. Someone said to me, what church do you go, Danny? Oh, I think I'm going to the one that Jesus goes to. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to say that? <laughs> to attack the bride, as I've already said, is to attack God Himself. We can ask questions. Let me say a better word than deconstruction. For me, a better word is evaluation. We need to evaluate where are we not doing what Jesus would have us do? How can lonely people that walk through our doors be not missed? There's a lot of stuff we've got to talk about. And as a church gets larger, it's got to get smaller. There's got to be those connections that happen that are not just an event you go to. Programs and events are gonna be wiped away in the next few years. And if we don't have a personal walk with Jesus, all the home group meetings you go to ain't gonna cut the mustard for you. We need an understanding of what the church really is. In Acts chapter 17, there was a group of people called the Bereans and when they heard messages, they questioned them. But they didn't question to attack. They questioned to learn and grow. We would never want you not to question what we preach. What I'm speaking today, if you don't see it that way, come and talk. Because I might not see something you're seeing. We need to have a mutual submission to one another so it's not the platform and the plebs. We've got to have evaluation. God is dealing with churchianity in order to bring clarity to genuine Christianity. The church God is building cannot be built by churchians, but passionate Christians. When God's pattern for the church becomes right, we become light in the darkness, hope to the helpless and the hopeless, a bridge for the broken to cross over to wholeness, a family to the fatherless and homeless, and a community that cannot be ignored. In working with my son Michael's mission in Port Adelaide, he's running a charity, a mission to the community. To stand this week with a couple that have been addicted to ice for such a long period of time, it's affected their walk, their talk, 
the way they scratch. And over such a short period of time to watch the love of a people, the truth of a God that heals, a restoration of a couple, to only find out that I used to know their dad, he was an AOG pastor who's only been given a few hours to live. And I was able to go and pray with him, not knowing that his prayers for his son and his addiction was gonna end up in all of us being in the same room together because the church is being the church. Let's go back to Proverbs 31 and let's look at this wife. It says, who can find a virtuous wife? Verse 10, I wanna say this this morning, I wanna be found. I want a community to find us and not say these guys are idiots, but say, wow, we couldn't do life without you. I remember the first time we did a, a small renovation up at O'Halloran Hill and we renovated Bongiorno's Cafe because the owners of that cafe, Tony and Lenny, had had their brother-in-law die in a helicopter crash at McLaren Vale on their son's 21st birthday. The son and the father get killed down at Morford Vale. Uh, McLaren Vale. I remember walking into the cafe and Tony bursts into tears. He said, I don't know anymore whether we can go on. And while I'm standing at the counter, I believe the Holy Spirit of God told me, you renovate this cafe as a gift to this family. I thought, how am I gonna tell Edge Church we're gonna renovate a cafe? They're gonna think Danny just wants free meals. That's why he's doing that. But only a few years earlier, we had a little foster child who's now in his mid-20s, still part of our lives, that Sharon took for a week and we've had him for 25 years. And when he was about four or five, I picked him up one day, held him in my arms. I never knew I could love someone else's child with a deep love that you also love your own. It didn't feel that different, just love it on and he looked up at me and he goes, Danny, he could speak quite well. He might've been five, I don't know. He was just a young kid. I picked him up, he goes, Danny, I don't know what life would be like without you. I put him down, went to my bedroom, shut the door and cried my eyes out. And I felt God say, until you build a church that the community says, we don't know what life would be like without you. You're not being the church. We renovated that cafe overnight. Started Sunday night after church and finished Monday. Every company in Adelaide that I asked for tiles, I asked for equipment. They said, what are you doing? Told them what we were doing. They said, you can have all the stuff for free. $70,000 worth of stuff donated for free. I remember going back in, we opened up the cafe. Tony comes up and hugs me. And he said, we don't know what life would be like without you. The same words little Ali said to me earlier on. On the day of my son's funeral, Tony and Lenny were downstairs helping to serve food, telling their story to people that came to the funeral, saying these guys are the real deal. 
I want to be found. I don't want to be a church that people mock and laugh at because of crazy stuff they see on the internet. But I want to see God's church be found out to be all it was birthed to be. Number two, it says in verse 10, she is more precious than rubies. I wanna be of great value to God. I wanna be found out, but I wanna be of great value to God. Just like a wife can tell when her husband is pleased with what she's done to serve the family and do what she does. And there's that sense of gratefulness. I want God to look down and go, this is my kids. This is my family. They're mine. This is how they change the world. Number three, it says her husband will trust her. Verse 11, I wanna be held trustworthy. Churches have been accused of their stuff with money. Every time I used to speak to our church about giving, I used to think to myself, and we're only talking through this stuff with Tony the other day, that the church must think we, we are asking you to give it to us. But we as leaders have to be the first examples to live what we ask everybody else to do. I wanna be trustworthy. I want my heavenly bridegroom to say this mob can be trusted. It says in verse 12, she will not only hinder him, but help him all her life. And this is what I wrote when I first got this revelation. I don't wanna hinder the purposes of God. I want to do this for life. One broken kid, one dead kid, one cancer journey. And I'm not saying look at me, but it's these decisions that are made when you're not sick and when you haven't lost a son that say, I will not hinder the purposes of God. I will accelerate the purpose of God. Verse 13, she is passionate. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. That's passion. The church has lost its passion. We think we do God a favour when we turn up. At least I'm here, aren't I? But that's just turning up. You can do that at the Rotary Club. We can have, do you know the atheists in Melbourne have started a church? For the atheists. They have worship. They sing. Imagine there's no heaven. They do. My friend Tim Costello went to speak at it. They asked him to come and try to convince them that there's a God. They worship, they have fellowship, they have food together, and then they do works in the community. Atheist church right now in Melbourne. And they said, well, if Hillsong can do it, and other modern churches can do it, we'll show you we don't need God to do that stuff. We'll do it too. Pharaoh's magicians did tricks, but they could only go so far. And I wanna tell you, the church can't be copied without God. The church isn't the church without God. And the church isn't the church with churchians. It's the church with Christians. And when we get hold of a passion of why God put us on the planet, purpose outdoes prosperity and you will live an incredible breakthrough. Now, you're not gonna believe this, but I've still got another five points. So now next Sunday, we will continue. And we will continue to talk about this wonderful bride the Bride of Christ, if the musicians can come. I'd like you to come back and do part B because what I wanna do next week, if you're not gonna be here, I'll just give it to you very quickly. I'm gonna talk about we, why we gather, 
And then we'll talk about why we scatter. The church is not meant to just gather, but it's not meant to just scatter. We are meant to gather. And I wanna talk about that next week and probably the week after or the next time I speak, we'll talk about the scatter. But we come together for three reasons. One is to respect and honour God. And we've lost respect today in many, many churchians to think that we can just sit in our pyjamas. Yeah, I know when there's no other choice, we can do that. And some of you are watching that way today. Don't, don't take this the wrong way. But to think that, I, I, I watch the tennis. Oh, shouldn't, I'm gonna get into trouble now. You might like Nick Kyrgios. We gotta love everybody. But I hate it when we respect talent above character. When there's talent and no character, makes me feel sick because then we wonder why people commit suicide when they're not successful anymore. Because they're not valued when their talent isn't doing its job. But I wanna come and show respect and honour to the God of the universe. I wanna be infused by His truth, by people called by God to bring that truth. Not people on Instagram and people on, I know people watching people right now and I know the speakers. And the speakers are living in adultery and they're living in all kinds of sinful ways. And some young people are coming to me, have you heard so-and-so? Unbelievable. No, we need to, you know, we give who we are. We don't just give information. We transfer who we are. And we need to come and go, give God in corporate gathering our respect and honour. We need to receive the infusion of God's Word. And we need to reach out to every person that's on their own. Can you imagine if everybody that came to church never went home having not been spoken to? But the minute we see someone on their own, we go and talk to them. That's the ministry of reconciliation. We've been called by God. You want a ministry? There it is. Because if we do that, we can shut down home groups. We can shut down all kinds of things because then it'll be happening organically. We're creating programs for something to happen that should have always been organic. But that's for next Sunday and we'll pick it up a bit more then. Father, I thank You today for Your church. I thank You for the ones that are here today and those that can't be here watching online because of illness and we understand that. But Father, COVID will be over. And one day we don't wanna sit back and go, I like it better this way. But we wanna respond to Your pattern. We wanna respond to what You like, like we heard last week, because we respect You. We honour You. We wanna receive Your Word imparted into our lives. And Father, we wanna reach out to each other. May no one go home lonely today. In this place, I pray in Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.